You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount on some excellent coffee. Today, I have a special guest, former Redskins linebacker Will Compton, co-host of the Bussin' with the Boys podcast along with Taylor Luan. Will and I cover a lot of topics starting with football and Redskins related issues and even a couple books. Then we have a discussion about the current social climate. I try to take you inside the locker room with Compton, a guy who is terrific at crossing position and social groups. He has an interesting perspective. And then I wrap it up with a few thoughts of my own based on the Zoom press conferences on Wednesday with Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I talked to Doug Williams for a first-person piece that will run on ESPN.com on Sunday. And then next week, I'll detail some of Dwayne Haskins' progress in the offseason. And now, here's my conversation with former Redskins linebacker, Will Thompson. All right, well, now I'm bringing in one of my all-time favorites, Will Compton, and... Always appreciate talking to you. One of the better leaders I've been around and and being able to bring groups together. And that's why I wanted to have you on with all this stuff going on. Um, Just talk a little bit about that and a little bit about some communication stuff, which was your strength in the field. Um, First, though, let's get an update on the podcast because you guys are continuing to to blow up here. And you got, you know, you got your wear. I can see you wearing your Bustin' with the Boys t-shirt. Yeah. Like, I mean, are you... Like, are you genuinely surprised at where you guys have gone with this? Where you and Taylor have gone with this? That's a good question. I'm surprised and then also not surprised. Like, I, of course, like when you go into anything, like you have big goals in mind. And um, I guess I'm surprised at the direction that it's kind of went with the whole, like, the for the boys thing and the, the you know, just the, the, the whole, the boys, I guess. Because when right. I first started it, it was going to be something around like something wolf centric because I, my fascination with wolves and like probably call it like the den podcast. And it, it was always going to be some introspective conversation, a lot of like perspective and a lot of like uh, that kind of behind the scenes, like every conversation I would have in the locker room or outside of the locker room with guys. And when Taylor came on and we kind of revamped, scrapped the den podcast idea, found the bus and did the whole bus branding. We were kind of like iffy on if it was going to be cool or not. And, uh, you know, you're just nervous about everything. And uh, it's taken off the way it has, man. I mean, it's just been fun, man. Like, it's, uh, it's taken off in ways that I wasn't necessarily thinking about at first. So, uh, but, you know, I wanted it to be – I wanted it to kind of be like this, I guess. Uh, 
again, to answer your question, it's like I'm surprised, but then you, you also want to have some expectation that we could do something of like course. this because we knew, we knew we were the first active player NFL podcast that wasn't where there was no boss, there was no umbrella that we were under. Like I know Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson, like they have podcasts under their team brand. And I knew that I knew that it would probably eventually happen where guys start um, getting in the podcast space or kind of, you know, the more than an athlete movement. And so I knew it would probably happen eventually. So it, it kind of, it was important for, for me. And I, I was, when I was telling Taylor, I was like, you know, we're going to be the first kind of in this space like this. So that's why I feel that tr- we're always kind of trending upwards because we're getting, you know, we get to have conversations that people don't necessarily have in front of a camera or in the locker room when, you know, microphones are on them and people have their phones on them and reporters are asking questions. And so, you know, we just wanted to give our access to our guests, make ourselves very relatable, engage, and it's been fun, man. It's, it's fun to listen to it for, those, for all those reasons. And, you know, it, it is like locker room conversations and just having fun and guys hanging out and all that. Um, I do want to, you know, and so like, and I'm going to be talking to you more about that later in the summer, as you know, for a story. Um, So I'm anxious to hear about that with football now. um, And I want to get into some meteor topics because that's why I want to have you on. We were supposed just to let people know we were supposed to have Will Blackman on last minute situation. So he couldn't join us. We can still have a good conversation here. But with football first, before we get into some of the the unrest of the protests and all that. The Redskins have, you know, they changed coaches. They fired Bruce Allen with Ron Rivera coming in. Can a coach, can one coach, the head coach, make enough of a difference in the culture to change a place? Um, yes, I think so. I, I, you know, when you word it as can one coach do it, the answer to that is no. But it definitely starts with, like, it definitely, and he, I'm sure he knows that's why he's a very successful head coach. Like, it starts with, the leader and he's kind of the leader of the Redskins. And so, you know, his staff and people who he's brought in and kind of uh, flipped it upside down a little bit and brought in, brought in others to compliment who was already there, got rid of some guys, all that thing, like all of it matters. And it, the, the biggest, the biggest thing will be, you know, what's talked about in all those initial meetings and all the process, all the new processes that are going to be put in place because there's guys there. I know on staff that are still there that that were there when I was there. Um, I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of new different adding nuances to the thing and doing something different than they're used to doing, which is important because you need to have that change and that shift in culture um, at a place like that, because, you know, they, they had tried the same thing over and over and nothing's been getting done. So I think they've made the necessary steps to kind of change it up a little bit. And, but it's definitely going to start with coach Rivera because he's going to, when they're all sitting in the staff meeting, the very first one, it's going to be his, his, you know, energy and just his, uh, I guess swag is the word, but just his presence is going to change kind of like start that cultural shift that the Redskins like really need. They, they really do. And, and we talked about a lot of that for that story I wrote back in December with Jason Reed um, and just how badly it needed to change. In going to a couple of different places now, what makes a place good? What like what and what can you know, what what makes a place good? It's a good question. I mean, I haven't been on. I've never went past the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think what what makes a place good is. Is carrying out the details 
in the processes. I, I alluded to this earlier in the first question, but it's carrying out the details and the processes that you set in the beginning. It's the standard that you create in the beginning and knowing that everyone is on board and you have your entire staff, your players, your leadership, the trickle down effect. Everybody kind of talks about, hey, what are our goals? You start with the end in mind. You talk about the process. You talk about all the processes that will be put in place to get this done that will mirror what that success is going to look like. And then from that point, you have kind of a team standard, like a team contract you've all kind of set with right. each other to where now these processes, these details, these um, rules, I guess, or this standard is now in place. And that's what's going to hold the team accountable. That's what's going to hold guys accountable. It's not. It's it's the teams that set goals in the beginning. They kind of don't stick to them. They don't stick to the processes. They fizzle out a little bit. Guys start chirping and bickering. Um, got, uh, locker rooms get a little clickish. And then at the end of the year, you realize, oh, we got a we got a major fucking problem. So I bleached myself out for you, John. <laughs> that's right. But it's it's like the groups, teams, organizations, businesses, all of it. I mean, it's relevant everywhere. It's the ones who start with that standard and hold everyone accountable to that standard, even when times are hard. So that, to me, I think that that's what it takes to be successful in pretty much anything. And it's no different in an NFL, on an NFL team. Well, you're getting a taste of busting with the boys here today. <laughs> I, no, no doubt, man. Because I'm actually, it's funny because I'm reading this book called Traction. And uh, shout out Traction here. I'll, I'll shout out the author. The author is... Uh, Gino Wickman, Traction, okay. and it's basically get a grip on your business because I'm thinking, okay, um, where, I, where, where we've gotten to with bussing has gotten us in our broken kind of go by the seat of our pants. We just make it happen. It's only going to get you so far. If you're going to get to the next level, me personally, I got to learn how to be a better leader for my team because I'm now dealing with interns and employees in my business that I've never done before. Right. And I can't just use like all my football terminology to – lead people I got to kind of learn in the business world so I'm reading this book traction and I'm getting a lot of this from traction and it just it just makes sense of how everything connects on where success happens from a person a team an organization and a business so that's that's why you're getting a little bit of this energy right now dude well I I, I understand that because like when I read I, I read Urban Meyer's book earlier this year and it's a lot about leadership and just you know reaction to events that determines outcome and all that are you familiar with David Goggins? Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much so. I read his book earlier too. He is can't can't hurt me. Yeah, it was that was phenomenal. So that one's very much in your face. Like that one's that one's awesome. You end up run, wanting to go run outside because you think you're just sitting there like, oh, I'm not doing shit, dude. Well, it's funny because I just had knee surgery a couple weeks ago, or a week, two weeks ago, a week, you know, yeah, almost two. A week ago? That's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. So I a week, two weeks ago. So I had surgery, and my son yesterday was kind of razzing me. He's like, you know, David Goggins would be out there running already. I'm like, well, I'm not quite <laughs> Goggins, but there are things that there are things that I've done where I whether it's even going on bike rides on hilly areas can go longer than I have just because of that guy. I'm thinking, well, Goggins did this. I can do this. So right. that guy, it's, that guy's a it's like being it's like being in. It, being intentional with those choices is ultimately what it comes down to. It's like, all right, I'm not going to listen to this guy on my shoulder because I can, I, I can do this. I don't know why I'm talking myself out of something. Right. And, and that's what, that's what I, what I like about him is it's more get out of your comfort zone a little bit and push harder. You can always push harder. And that's, I think right. that's a good, that's something that I always talk to my kids about too. 
But let's but going back to football. Last thing I want to talk about too is you know is communication. And when you have a season like or an off season like this, where there's no, you're not on the field together. You have if you're in the Redskins situation, you have a new defense, you have a new head coach. How hard is it? And you have changes on the. You go from a three four to a four three. You have new personnel. How hard is it to get the kind of communication that you need to be a good defense? Um, a lot goes into that. I like a lot goes into being a well communicating defense, and it is going to be important when this stuff does get lifted and guys get to go into facilities and stuff. It's going to be important to get that get into the on field work as quickly as possible because you need guys understanding the way everyone around you thinks. I would assume I'm not since I'm not on a team right now. I'm not in virtual meetings, but I would assume virtual meetings like you're able to digest a lot. Uh, I'm sure from just being on a virtual meeting, like it's, it'd be like sitting in a classroom without the like body kind of the um, postures, your body language of engaging, but you're still going to be able to digest a lot of the information. You're still going to have stuff to, once you close your computer, study and learn and kind of be on top of it in your own way. But it's a lot different when you're out on the field because in usual, in regular OTAs, you go from meetings, the classroom, and then you'll go out on the field around cans, and doing walkthroughs right. and stuff like that. So it's very important that when teams are able to get in the facility that they're able to, you know, guys, we have to get moving because there is no, like, there is no tomorrow. Like, there is no right. more time. And we got to – we can't wait for the, the bottom feeders to come along. Like, we have, to, we have to run this thing as quickly as possible, which hurts some guys. But and also, like, this, is a, this will be a big opportunity for guys that are – that do kind of take a lot of pride in understanding the game and being a student of the game. These are where those, where those guys will stand out and the teams will kind of win in that fashion, I think, early on. Does it take a while to learn the guys next to you, though? Like if you're, like you're a linebacker, you know, to learn how the tackle is going to play a certain, you know, certain look, does it take – is that something you lose in the spring, that knowledge? And is it, how long does it take to get that? Um, as far as – are you saying – Understanding like, playing next to somebody? Let's play, you know, cause like, you know how it is. Like guy goes in motion, the rules of a defense will probably will change. So change, you, yes. know, you know, how long does it take to learn how a guy next to you might react to that shift or to react to a certain look and the way he might hit a gap, all that kind of stuff plays into building a good defense. How long does that take? Uh, it, there's definitely, there's definitely some time to it, depending on the experience of the guy too. Like there's going to be younger guys that, have a that have a an expectation that are is normally the same as years in the past that I would assume coaches and players will have to like take a breath and be like hey it's going to take a little bit of time because you get a lot of those wrinkles and uh, little details out during OTAs and being around each other all the time getting coached hard understanding how to coach a guy understanding how to take coaching when you're in a new if you're on a new team or with a new coach with the Redskins. Um, so finding that stuff out, you would have gotten that out of the way in OTAs to when you go into training camp, the message when you leave OTAs is, hey, guys, stay in your books. Because you can, you can forget stuff right. as early as, like, not being in for a couple weeks. Right. Uh, but the message is always, guys, you have six weeks. Continue to train your balls off. Do not go six weeks without looking at your playbook and looking at all these notes that we've been going over all of OTAs. Because when we hit training camp, we're only going to have, you know, two weeks until our first preseason game. Like, we need to hit training camp and hit the ground running and not have much drop-off in those six weeks in the summer. So knowing that all of 
all of the on-field work and OTAs that it was non-existent. It's going to be – a lot of guys are going to be learning a lot about each other once they're able to start in training camp. So I, it's hard to kind of predict, but that would be – based on everything I went through, that's just what I'm going to assume, sure. that it's just going to – people are just going to have to kind of learn on the go. Like, they need to be a little bit more patient. But also that patience factor, you've got to ramp it up. That sense of urgency needs to be there a lot more for guys. So – and I – you know, we talked a little bit about, about this before we started rolling here – your status, what's your status for people listening? What do they want? To, I'm sure they want to know what Will Compton's up to. So what's your status? Depends. When's this podcast coming out? Um, Thursday morning. Because my podcast comes out next Monday, and I actually talk about my situation on my podcast. Then, 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 you can, then you can wait till next Monday to address it. I'm, we'll I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just teasing, <laughs> dude. I, I freaking, I, hey, John, I love you, dude, and I'm all about John Kime. So <laughs> what's going on with me right now is – without giving up everything. Right. Um, I'm currently a free agent still. The situation I'm in, there's a lot. If you look at the landscape of the NFL, and I'm not putting myself in the next tier free agency. I might be, I might not be. I have no clue. And I'm not too stressed about it. But um, the kind of – there's a lot of guys on the market still. A lot of guys that I, if I – when I look at the boards, you're kind of like, these guys should be signed right now. I wonder why they haven't been signed. I'll probably have to wait for him to get signed before I start getting looked at harder. You kind of play those games like when you're in my spot as a free agent. And, uh, but talking to coaches and still talking with teams, um, the situation that guys are kind of in is especially veterans. If you're a vested veteran, what that means is if you play three years and three games, you become vested. So basically four years. If you have four years in the league, you're seen as a vested player. And when you're a vested player, if you happen to be on the week one roster and say, say Will Compton, say I'm on week one roster opening kickoff, I am now guaranteed the rest of my salary for right. the rest of the year. A team could cut me after week one, and then I can be free on the market, still collect, say, a million dollars from team one. And then if team two picks me up, that would be known as double dipping. Guys get to do that one time in their career to where I still make my money off of team one and then get a new contract with team two. Now, if you're not a vested veteran, you can get cut after week one and you get no, there's no penalty. You don't have to pay them their salary. You just pay them for that one week. For vested guys, which are guys like myself and veterans you see out there that haven't really been signed yet, um, owners are kind of waiting to see what happens with COVID. Because right now, worst case scenario, I would assume that we're going to have the season where there's going to be no hiccups, knock on wood. And um, knock on wood if you're with me, shout out Coach John Gruden. Um, (laughs) But uh, worst case scenario for owners is that we start the season and say a new COVID, uh, COVID cases ramp up week three and the NFL is to shut down, right? Well, owners have to pay these vested veterans whatever they agree on in their paragraph five money. John, I'm sure, will write an article and explain that a little more in his, on his <laughs> tweets, hopefully after Monday when my episode comes out. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, those vested veterans will get their compensation for the rest of the year. So right now, if you're an owner looking at and you want Will Compton, it's like, okay, his, based on talent and landscape of work, he's not so much of a priority that we need to have him on our team right now. But this is a guy we want on our team, but we need to wait to see what happens because last thing you want is to commit to paying Will this agreed upon paragraph five money of say, we'll just use say a million dollars, and then COVID happens, and then I got to pay somebody like Will his a million dollars because that affects my bottom line as an owner. So that's kind of where I am at, where you're kind of waiting to see the sooner teams can get in and guys can get in and they can kind of go through that first round of data for COVID, 
and then that information comes out that, hey, the season's going to be a go, this is all kind of working out, then that's when that's when stuff like that, for me and guys in my position, will get that's, that will start picking up for us. A couple of months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Now I want to switch to a, a heavier topic because of all the stuff that's going on in the news, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because in my time covering the Redskins, there have been some guys are really good at crossing over position groups, and I think you've been one of the better ones with that. And, and I think that's just... You know, it's being able to mix in different, you know, you're going from a linebacker group to defensive backs. You're going to a different culture, you know, offensive, D-line, et cetera. So I'm just curious now, during, with all the unrest after the George Floyd stuff, the protests, how would you go into a locker room and maybe, like, how would you handle that? Would you have conversations with guys? Have you had conversations with guys about all this? Um, and how does that affect a locker room? It's a lot of questions. It is. And I, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you complimenting me. Um, you know, it's always been fun being in the locker rooms and being able to kind of connect with everybody. I think the first elephant in the room is that me and you are a couple white guys about to yeah. talk about this issue, which is always which gets you get a little nervous just in that regard. Um, but things that I've done, of course, I've had conversations with guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to learn my way through this and navigate through this like everybody else. I think, unfortunately, um, and this is just speaking on, on myself is, you know, I think we're being, uh, uh, we're getting woken up to this reality of right. what, what, it, what's been occurring in America for a very long time. And speaking in my own shoes, staying in my own lane, uh, you know, I can admit that I, I've been naive. I've been naive enough to know that when I saw the George Floyd video, that kind of woke something up in myself to where my ears are open more than what they usually are. And I'm not, I'm not saying my ears were closed off and I feel right. some type of way. It's just, it, 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 it unfortunately did take something like that to kind of me to look at things. And then you, you start to just understand a little bit more from that day forward. And I don't know if it's, we're all been in COVID and we've been quarantined. So we're on our phone more. So that's that situation stood out more. Um, I don't know if it's the situation of it to where it, it gets, it doesn't get more simpler than what we saw for that, you know, very rough eight minutes. Um, but of course I've had those conversations. I've been slow to because you don't want to force your way into those conversations by right. making it seem like I'm trying to overdo it. Hey guys, you know, 
Uh, I haven't texted and checked up, not like checked up and checked in with guys. It's been more because I'm in several group chats, but listening to what's being said in the group chats and then trying to ask like the right questions instead of having an opinion or a stance. Right. The biggest thing to do is fully objectively remove yourself from my own, from my own filter and just listen and see how I can potentially help because there's also a slope at if you like for me if I were to say something out of context or wrong or right. you know you can get checked for not knowing enough right now so there, there's like all these lines that you're trying to figure out and learn and I'm trying to follow guys I, I follow guys very closely I try to share uh, the same messages that guys are trying to share that I see that are positive, that are acknowledging the situation. When you talk to anybody, there's three, there's three takeaways that are, are kind of like common with it all is acknowledge what the hell's happening and going on the privilege, the police brutality, all, all of it, the, the, the systemic racism, acknowledge it, acknowledge that it is, it is existing in front of our eyes. And it has been for a long ass time, no matter how naive you've been about it, acknowledge, listen. So don't, you know, try to like take over any conversation. Like, it's time to listen and educate. And, you know, unfortunately I haven't been very educated and that's due to, you know, I haven't had to, I, you know, I've been in spots where I haven't, I don't know what it is like to sure. have been in these guys' shoes growing up. Yeah, and it, it's, it's hard to pretend that it. it's hard to do anything other than listen and try to educate and learn on it. And then the third thing is like giving a shit, showing that you give a shit, showing that, Hey, you preach about being for your, being for your boys, being for your brothers, your sisters, all of that stuff. And you see a community that's hurting right now, and guys are wanting people, people of every color, really, obviously white. They want white people to stand up more. But everybody, like, show right. that you're giving a shit. No matter if it's a like, if it's a share, if it's a comment, if it's something, like, just showing that you give a shit. So, you know, I know I said a lot of things right there. And, again, the biggest thing has just been, like, is just caring, showing that I'm trying to find the right way to go about it and finding the right literature that I need to be learning and getting up, you know, getting up to date on that I haven't done in the past that, you know, it's taken me a while to get to this point. And, you know, but I think that's a thing. And I think for, for myself, it's just fighting for what you think is right. And right now, the the right stance to take is being on the right side of history where you're I'm, – I'm being for – I see it as me being a voice for all my teammates and all my brothers that I've been playing with all these years that want to hear guys like myself speak up a little more right. and kind of help them relay that message. And it's like, who, who am I if I'm going to talk about – if you're going to have those words for me at the beginning that I can kind of go into different uh, groups and peer groups and locker room groups, position groups, and I, I take pride in that. But then when it comes time where you're at this pivotal point with cri during crisis that I'm not going to be a, I'm right. not going to be one of those guys that stands for those guys. Like, it's like shame on me if I'm not going right. to do that. So that's where I've taken it kind of upon myself to kind of write a little more about it and to share a little more about it because I, 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 I am nothing without all of my teammates and all of my friends and everybody I've had throughout my life that have been black, been hispanic any of the any anything right. um you know i just i want to do right by my guys by my brothers by all those voices that are screaming for help right now and that's why i wanted to talk to you and and because i know that you're like that when you because again you're stretching you're going into different groups and all that was and listen i mean 
white players are a minority on most rosters. So do you hear these conversations? Did you ever have these conversations before? And, would, you know, did you, would, did this, did, was this a big topic in locker rooms or was it more of a hush-hush thing or, you know, what, what was it like? Um, you know, stuff would come out and come up. And I remember I was on the skins when the uh, Kaepernick thing happened. And we had a team meeting about it, and guys all had different stances on it. And they, they, it wasn't arguing. I, I would say, I would say we were in a uh, when we were in our meeting with it, and it was actually before the night before a game. Guys were kind of standing up and saying how what they felt, but everybody was kind of respecting everybody's different stance on it. I think right now, I think from that moment back in what was it, sixteen, two thousand sixteen? Is that when that was? Yep. Yep. I think from that moment to now, I think everybody's stance is they need to get they're, – they're kind of on the sideline because now I think more people are understanding that it, it's, never, it's never been about the flag. And um, I would say that's where the biggest shift has came from that moment to now is like a lot more are buying into that it's never been about the flag. It's about all these other things going on. And so – you know, I don't know. Like, I remember stuff coming up, but nothing was ever kind of swept under the rug, and there were right. never harsh arguments about anything. I think it's people would say something, and whether or not everyone's attention was on that at the time, so that's like the difference, too, is everyone is everyone's attention can be focused on this right now, again, because we've been quarantined, right. we've been in COVID, we've been all this stuff to where – we're kind of like it's in front of our face because we're kind of obsessed with scrolling and everything else a little more now than we than we are back when quote unquote everyday life was happening. So all the stuff leading up to now, it's just kind of dependent on like everybody's focus and attention wasn't on social media as much as it is now compared to what it was back then. So a lot of different moving parts, man. And I I, well, I know I'm kind of rambling and talking no, a lot, but there's so many layers to where there's there it's, it's hard to figure out answers well and i also think like i also think it's actually good to have two white people talking about this because i think before what i what always bothered me is like something like this would happen and you you know somebody would bring on the, uh, an african-american player as if they were the only ones who should be talking about this is if there's going to be any change it's got to be more than just that to me and For sure. So, so that's why I'm just wondering if you have heard something different from white teammates, even during this time that, you know, that can help move this forward. Uh, you know, as far as conversations with white teammates and, you know, there, there, there hasn't been, I guess, many with like groups of white teammates. It's uh, for me, as far as like just talking about just the white teammates in general, for me, I've just kind of been sitting back, and observing and watching um, the white teammates and white guys speak out on it. And not, not to like, not to judge or anything like that, but to observe and figure out ways to where I can express my messaging better. Because again, you were saying it earlier, like, it's like having those conversations can be very uncomfortable. And I wrote a blog, like I was uncomfortable as shit writing that blog. Yep. And it doesn't mean I'm now comfortable talking about it. No, like, I don't. People are wondering, People want me to come on radio and do all these things. And I was like, guys, like, I understand you took a liking to my blog, but I, it's not that I, I feel like there's answers now just because I wrote some blog. It's, uh, 
you know, I'm still very much, I, I can still very much be uncomfortable because you just, you don't want to be taken out of context for anything. Right. And, but that's also the point is being, getting uncomfortable because you grow when you're uncomfortable. Sure. And you're able to hear other people's perspective from being uncomfortable. If you can set your pride aside and get yourself out of your own little bubble. Um, so to answer your question on like talking conversations with white teammates, anybody white that I've kind of been in contact with, um and had lengthy conversations they're all it's all kind of the same thing it's all like navigating through it understanding um trying to figure out the understanding and the listening part and sharing good literature sharing good posts that people have been seeing like watching ryan Tannehill from afar has been a great example for mm -hmm. me because he helps kind of critique messaging for he's a great example for it you know what i mean so yeah. it, it's more of that stuff when it comes to um you know my white my white teammates sure. and white friends yeah, and that, you know, and like I said, I don't, you know, but I, I just think that you have a unique perspective because you, you've been in those locker rooms, you, you're able to stretch across. Why, what makes somebody, you know, what, how can your, can your ability to stretch across out and then conversations like this, how much can this bring guys together? I mean, I don't want to be, you know, and think that everything is going to be solved because now guys are talking, but, you know, how much can that, within a locker room setting, how much can that help? I think it's always going to help. And just to kind of simplify it into any subject or topic that's hot, right? And I'm just going to remove it from that kind of conversation, just kind of simply try sure. to explain it. But the conversation with guys who ultimately become leaders and inspire others and everything else, they never know when that's happening until you're all of a sudden a leader or captain or somebody of that magnitude, right? Um, it starts that you – you never know who you're imprinting on until you start to realize like, oh, I have some responsibility in this thing. So I think it's gonna help a lot guys in locker rooms that are speaking out, especially if it comes from like a white guy too, because uh, white guys who might not have said anything, but um, say, they, say somebody might take, say a white guy, I'm gonna use Ryan Tannehill still, shout out Ryan Tannehill. Um, <laughs> Say there's a white guy who might not necessarily know how to talk about it or how to say anything, and he stays quiet going to the locker room and doesn't really know how to address nothing or know how to kind of get in groups or anything like that. He's going to watch and see what Ryan does because what Ryan says now is going to be powerful because right. that's going to, he, he's, he identifies Ryan as somebody who's leading him. And there's going to be guys like that. You don't have to be the quarterback. You don't have to be none of that. If you have, like, a personality, you just never know who you're imprinting on. So when you do speak up, whether or not somebody says anything now or at that moment, there's going to be guys sitting off in the corner in the locker room listening, might not show that they're listening, but they're going to listen. And they're going to put it through their filter and start breaking it down a little more. And then they're going to drive home. They're going to have a song playing and they might turn it off. They might start thinking a little more about it. They might go home and talk to their significant other, or they might be by themselves and think more about it before they go to bed at night. And then they might have a way to express a message and be in a conversation a little more the next day. So that's how those shifts, that's how those shifts start happening. That's how a shift in perspective starts. A guy might be BSing. Like a lot of people might question Roger Goodell having his message because you know, everything surrounding Roger Goodell, there's always, there's trolls. There's, there's always everything. Right. And People are, are, are happy about his message. People are also like, oh, he's saving face. Which, whatever you think, fine. It's cool. All we're looking for right now, or all I think everyone is looking for right now, is that shift in perspective. So people who were on the fence about Roger Goodell and messaging that watched it and then 
might not have saw what trolls were commenting or anybody else. They might have been driving in the car and looking and changing their perspective a little bit. So again, they go in there about their next day. They go about their next routine. And now they might be able to talk about it and, and say things a little more because other people are helping kind of critique their message or kind of cultivate their message, if I made sense with that. And, and absolutely. And this will be the last thing because we're, we're, you know, I don't want to keep you any longer than this, but can, can, what can go, is it, does it take a strong leader in there or is it just like, what is the key to making it work for a team? And again, it can, it's, I'm guessing it can bring a lot of teams together, but what's the key to bringing a team together to, you know, to make sure that it doesn't, do anything to tear apart. I don't know if that's, it's, I feel awkward asking some questions. You don't always know what the right questions to ask are, but I don't know no if doubt. that makes sense. Like just, I think to me, I think uh, the team in the locker room, I think it, that's going to be one of the easier things to happen. I don't, I, you know, I'm trying to think right now, but based on all of my experiences, like the locker rooms are going to be more solid. Locker rooms are already solid. You, you almost wish everybody could experience um, a locker room or, you know, athletics in the locker room because, you know, just there's more conversation. Like there's all cultures, you're, you're all, and because you're all focused on a goal of winning together as a team. So there's, there's going to be no division in locker rooms. I can pretty, I can confidently stand that. I think if anything, it's just going to make the locker room stronger. It's probably going to have, it's probably going to have teammates, you know, dapping each other up now and being like, Hey man, like, you know, um, I'm understanding more I'm listening more stuff like that so I, I only see good going in the locker rooms now um, and teams are just going to be stronger from it than they already probably were because in my opinion an athletic locker room is like uh, something I wish everybody could kind of experience because that's where a lot of my knowledge and understanding has came from being from small town USA right. in the middle of nowhere um, being in a predominantly white community so that's kind of my take on on teams and their bond becoming probably very very much stronger. Will Compton, you're awesome. I appreciate you joining me. I'm listening to Bussin' with the Boys, and it's a great podcast. And, and what, anything else you got going on that you want to plug? Um, I don't, man. Bussin' with the Boys, I've been grinding at that. So you can find us on all platforms. We're on the Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts app. Uh, we, we are on social medias. We have a YouTube channel. We have it all. We have merchandise. You can go on Barstool's site and go under – go under the brands of barstool busting with the boys um but john I, I i've always you've always been my favorite dude and i tell you when my when my time is up you're gonna you're gonna write my story and uh i appreciate i really do i appreciate you having me on anybody who's listening that's still a fan that's still a fan of the boy i've always appreciated all all the fans in uh httr redskin nation um but thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, I had fun. And, hey, if we have to go to battle out there on social media because somebody took us out of context, get your swords ready, dude. Okay. All right. Thanks, Will. <laughs> After this break, I'll be back with a few thoughts on Ron Rivera's leadership style and what Dwayne Haskins had to say on a Zoom conference call with reporters that stood out to me. The John Kime Report is sponsored by Manscaped. You know, the reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen all of you in a few months. Don't ruin that first post-quarantine date. Did you show up to the first day of school without a haircut? Come on. 
Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience with the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Ceramic blades, skin safe technology, no snags. Manscaped has forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit, which comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you are done quarantining. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code KIME, K-E-I-M. Your first date, they'll thank you. Welcome back. Now here are a few nuggets of information you need to know. We spoke to Ron Rivera and Dwayne Haskins on Zoom calls Wednesday, so here are a few things that stood out. And we'll start with Rivera's leadership. The Redskins are in a stronger spot because of what he offers in terms of leadership. Now, they still have a lot of work to do constructing the roster, and there are questions on a lot of spots, but they do have someone in charge who is thoughtful, who strives to learn. And by thoughtful, I'm not just talking from a societal perspective, but it's someone who cares about how things impact his players be it the current social situation or other aspects. It's why players who have played for him routinely praise him. I'm sure there are some guys who haven't liked him. Every single coach who has ever coached has guys that he's ticked off. But in terms of his approach, we saw a big glimpse of this on the conference call and how he's handled the last few weeks. He educated himself on the situation, going back and doing things like reading the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. He wanted to be informed as to why he was doing something, why he felt something was, 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 was the right thing to do, especially considering his family's military background. His brother is also a retired police officer. This doesn't mean he was taking what people were saying lightly before, but I think he wanted to give thoughtful answers as to why he was doing something because I think in his mind, it makes it easier for people to understand why something is going on. I don't believe Rivera makes decisions lightly or to just appease anyone. I'd also say he's able to communicate his beliefs, his goals, his expectations very clearly. He's in charge. That's clear. I also like that he reads a lot. Maybe that's because I read some of the same books he does, biographies on world leaders, etc. But I also think it reveals a quest for learning and finding ways that you can apply those lessons to your own life, to your career. The best coaches I know are always on a search for more information. After he was fired by Carolina last season, he spoke to friends in the business about what approach he should take in his second head coaching stint. Things that he could do if he were the guy in charge. How do you handle that? So I think that, again, that says something. Every coach has his blind spots. There's no doubt Rivera has his. It's not as if he won every year when he was in Carolina. And I'll be curious to see how owner Dan Snyder handles his tenure and the fact that there's no longer a real buffer between the owner and the coaching staff or even the front office. We also don't know how Rivera will ultimately handle all this power, not necessarily from an ego standpoint, but just from a management perspective. It's not easy to do. Not everybody can do so, but a lot of that will be determined, I think, by his trust in the front office and guys like especially Kyle Smith. Right now, it seems there's plenty of trust. Where it goes from here, I don't know. They haven't played a game yet. All that will be revealed in time. For now, 
what we're seeing is that the Redskins have someone in charge with a vision. Rivera was also asked was also asked excuse me about the possibility of signing a guy like receiver Antonio Brown. Rivera then spoke more or less generically about the possibility and his answer is what I've been pretty much telling you guys for a month or so about them signing other veterans. If you recall after the draft, I told you they would sign low-end vet free agents to fill out the roster. Now, more questions were asked about corner and left tackle at that time from, from fans, etc., with guys like Jason Peters available. I knew that they weren't interested because they wanted to see how Jaron Christian developed. He's entering his third year. Can he handle the job? At what level? I think they feel he can at least be decent, but can he be more than that? Can he be more than just a backup swing tackle? This way, they not just save some cash, but they get a chance to see if a young guy, they have a young guy that they can develop. Peters isn't going to be the difference here, so why not see that? Um, and obviously, Peters would be better. We know that. But also, if you're Peters, why not go somewhere you have a chance to win? I don't know why he would have jumped necessarily at a spot here if he can wait until the training camp to see what goes on and what other opportunities might develop. As for Brown, Rivera said a lot of the same things. They have guys at that position they want to see that they're excited about, you know, between Gibson and, and, and or not, I'm sorry, excuse me, not Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gandy-Golden, whom they just drafted, Stephen Sims, Terry McLaurin. You know, they like Kelvin Harmon. Obviously, Antonio Brown's at another level. So they clearly know he would be more productive, or at least he's a strong, he's a guy so would be one of the better receivers in the league. So if they haven't signed him yet, I'm not sure why they would later. You know, they already knew that he was better than a lot of guys they have. Other teams know that too. He would be more expensive, and you don't just build teams with talent. And I do genuinely think they want to win. They also know, and I've said this before, but they know that while they want to win, they also know that this is a year where they also need to find out about guys so they know what direction to go in in the future. If they go out and got a Peters for one year, do they really know more? Because they're still going to have to go out and get a guy next year at that same spot. So see what you have in a guy like Christian. If you don't have, if he's not that guy, if someone else isn't that guy, you can go out and sign another veteran. Donald Penn would still, guys like that would still be out there. You can sign them either after the season starts or you can sign them in late in training camp, whatever. But I think it also gives you the chance to see, and then you can go next year and find a legitimate solution um, and if, you, if that's what you need. As for Haskins, a couple things stood out. There were some in the building who wanted to see how he handled the past couple weeks, what he said or did, because they felt it would reveal aspects of his leadership. What kind of stances would he take, etc. I think a lot of how he handled the protests did reveal a lot about his personality. He's not a big, outspoken guy. He has a more understated presence in the locker room, and I think we saw that um, in play over the last few weeks. He wasn't tweeting a lot about what was going on, but he did end up going down to the protest last weekend because, as he said, he wanted to do something rather than just tweet. He wanted to take some kind of action, and him going down there, he said he got a chance to listen and to learn more. Obviously, he grew up, I mean, he's an African-American quarterback, so a lot of the issues he already resonated with him. But I think he also wanted to learn a little bit more from other perspectives. And, you know, so I think that's what he did. I don't know if that makes him a great leader or not. Um, that will be determined when he's around other players. I know at Ohio State, I had Urban Meyer on the podcast a few weeks ago. And as, as you, if you recall, when the season started his, his last year there, he wasn't considered a great leader. By the end, they felt he had developed into that. So let's see if he does that here. But I think his approach to this 
matched what his personality is and who he is. On the field, I asked him about what he felt like he had to work in the offseason. I've talked to a few people who have worked with him. Quincy Avery, you guys heard him a couple weeks ago as well. They all said the same thing. He realized he had to learn to work at an NFL level, and there is a difference. It's what I always said last season. It wasn't about being smart or not being smart. It was about approach. There's a different approach you need to take in the NFL. Anyway, Haskins said it wasn't just about football for him. It was about life. He wanted to change his habits, his approach. That's why he, you, you know, he wanted to show that he wasn't, quote-unquote, immature, and that's a good start. It resulted in him eating better, losing weight. He's now down to 218. He was around 237 when the Redskins drafted him. And that wasn't a good 237. And based on the videos, he looks a heck of a lot better in better shape. Some seem to be worried on Twitter that he wouldn't be able to withstand a pounding now. But it's not, but that's not just about having extra padding. Playing at 235 was far too doughy for him. It wasn't, you know, he was out, he looked out of he looked more out of shape. Um, keep in mind that Kirk Cousins probably weighs less than Haskins now, and he never gets hurt. Um, a lot of it is how you handle yourself in the pocket, not how much extra padding you have. RG3 was and is lean. Haskins, and I think that was that's partly why I think there were some injury issues. Haskins, I don't know how lean Haskins looks now because we've only seen the videos. He, he, I don't know that he's a lean guy, but we really won't find out until the season. We also saw how much better he moved after shedding some weight last season. He got down, I think he's lost about nine pounds in the offseason. So that's really where you know, what we're looking at here from the end of the season to now. I don't expect him to become some major scrambler. I do expect that he can now add a bit more to his game. It was a good step for Haskins. Just like I wasn't going to bury his career after a couple bad games in his first season, I'm not going to proclaim he's now going to be some become a Hall of Fame quarterback or even an all-pro quarterback. I don't know where he goes from here. What I do know, is that he took the necessary steps this offseason. I know he gave himself a chance to do better. Now, he just has to do it. It still might take a little time, considering the crazy offseason and the inability to get on the field, and that's important for a guy in the first year of a new offense. But he just needs to keep going in the right direction. Something like this doesn't have to be some sort of a death sentence for him to start the way he started his career. I think what you'll see is what kind of resolve does he have because he got put into a crazy situation last year. He's in a crazy situation this year. How does he respond? What I know is that he had a good off season. Now, where does he go from here? That's it for this week. Thank you very much to Will Compton for joining me. Don't forget to subscribe to his Bussin' with the Boys podcast. And don't forget to visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020. You'll be pleased. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next time.